0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, I do have a bit of a fear. We got the St. Louis version of Marcel Ozuno. We're going to take a look at the Falcons three year cap analysis, a good study that was done by Pro Football Focus. And this offseason is going to define Travis Schlank. All of that up next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts. Now. We welcome you into this Wednesday edition, day before the NBA draft of hitting Hard with John Chuckry here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to youtube.com in the search browser, put Locked On Sports Atlanta. When you find the page, subscribe to it, leave us a comment. And of course, we are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Odyssey, all your favorites. Leave us a five-star review, tell us what you think. And of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page that would be at jmch316. Well, the Braves came up a little bit short last night in a real slugfest last night in a 12 to 10 game against the other uh, san francisco giants one of the guys who did hit a home run he hit a, a two run shot last night was marcelo zuna one for five with a run scored in a couple of rbi you know though here's my concern though is that when the Braves signed marcelo zuna to the contract that they gave him forget all the off-field stuff and and all that kind of thing that's come along with marcelo zuna I had the question about, okay, because they obviously signed him coming off the big 2020 pandemic season. My question was Are we going to get the Marcelo Zuna that was in St. Louis or kind of floundered around in Miami? Or are we getting the Marcelo Zuna that looked like the guy in the pandemic year or looked like the guy when he was into his free agent year in Miami? So even with last night's stats, this is where I get concerned. If you look at last year and this year combined, He has 484 plate appearances, 444 at-bats, 15 doubles, no triples, 20 homers, 54 RBI with 108 strikeouts, a 221 batting average, 281 on base, 390 slugging, and a 671 OPS. Now, that's not just a couple at-bats here or there. That's last year and this year over a two year period with almost 500 plate appearances. And if you look at his numbers from the pandemic year in 2020, he was 267 plate appearances. So a little bit more than half of the plate appearances he's had these last couple of years. But he was 14 doubles, 18, 56 RBI. Led the league in both homers and RBI that year. Remember, he won the Silver Slugger, led the league in total bases that year. He hit 438 with a 1.067 OPS. I'm not expecting him to hit that kind of number. But this this was my concern about Marcelo Zuna. You know, Marcelo Zuna himself even said during the pandemic, right, in 2020, when they were trying to figure out when baseball was going to get played in this and the other, that he took that time off where they weren't playing baseball games and he really worked on getting himself in shape, okay? And then obviously his free agent year when he was in Miami and about to cash in, 37 homers, 124 RBI, 93 runs scored, 30 doubles, hit 312 with a 924 OPS. Unfortunately though, we're not getting that version of Marcelo Zuno and the Braves still have after this year two years at $18 million a piece. So $36 million tied up into Marcelo Zuna. Now, it's not that Marcelo Zuna has been awful, but this is the version that we saw in St. Louis. He hit a bunch of home runs, you know, in a two-year period with the St. Louis Cardinals, where he spent a couple of years there as a free agent. He hit 52 homers. But he only had, in his in his two years there, 88 RBI one year, 89 RBI another year, um one year he did hit decent batting average at 280 the other year was 241 if you look at his time in miami before the big walk year uh in miami 23 homers 76 rbi in 557 at bats with a 266 batting average i have the fear that we're going to see the guy that is a lot of power cuz he's hit a bunch of home runs this year but he doesn't do a lot of things and his defensive liabilities wouldn't be such a concern for me if I'm getting a DH that is Silver Slugger caliber. The problem is when you combine his not very good defense with his not that productive bat, now I have an issue. And it's not like he steals bases. It's not like he does a lot of things. Now, look, you're probably stuck with Marcelo Zuna because, frankly, who's going to give up players or prospects for a guy $18 million a year over the next couple of years that has some power, but say 240, let's say he, let's say he brings it up to about 240, right? He's hitting 221. I think it is this year, this, this, for this season. Yeah. He's got the 13 homers, but he's only hitting 227 and only driven in 28 runs. And we're what about 70 games, almost, you know, 70 games, or they 69 games or whatever into the season, I do have some of my concerns about what Marcelo Zuna is going to profile like. Now, look, he does want to do, right? He's going to hit a bunch of home runs. He'll strike out a whole bunch and this then, the other. Obviously, he's a guy that is sort of locked as your DH, but that's the problem, right? When you talk about some of the other guys, when we've talked about the first world problems that the Braves have, you've got Contreras and guys like that that you'd like to see get at bats, but you've got a Zuna that, frankly... Since he doesn't play a very good left field, which again would be fine if he's a 40 homer, 120 RBI guy, right? I mean, left field is where George Foster, Jose Conseco, Pete and Rob Deere, that's where all those guys played, right? And you could get away with that because you know Conseco's 40 and 40, right? George Foster is hitting 52 homers in 1977, right? You can get away with all with being a bad defensive player on left field if you're a massive slugger. You're not going to give up more runs than what you produce. But when you're a 230 hitter with 30 homers and 79 RBI, okay, that balance of being a bad defensive player and not a great offensive player doesn't kind of work itself out. And it's not like you're going to be a 25 30 stolen base guy where you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to score a lot more runs. So, I am kind of getting concerned about the way Marcelo Zuna has trended now for not just last year, but this year as well. And you can say, well, last year it was a lost year because of the allegations and all that. Yeah, but he played before that, though. You know, remember, Ozuna didn't miss the whole end of the year just simply because of the allegations against him in the domestic dispute. He got hurt. Remember, he broke his hand sliding into third base against the Red Sox last year. Remember that he broke he broke a couple of his fingers on his hand. So he was on the IL before all the domestic stuff came out and things like that. And even then, he wasn't producing up to that point. Again, he's got you know power. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark when he gets a hold of one. But he doesn't hit a, He he doesn't hit for enough average. He doesn't drive in enough runs. He doesn't create enough runs. And that was the thing about Marcelo Zuna in the pandemic year that was just crazy to watch is he could go to the opposite field with a single or double. You know, he could find all different ways. Like I said, he led the league in RBI and home runs. So I expect him to be a guy that's going to give me plenty of power. But again, a guy that hits 30 homers and only drives in 79, 80 RBI doesn't impress me. That's not that in baseball terms, that's not a good ratio to have. You got a guy. I mean, that that is Rob Deere and Pete Incavilia is hit 230 with 30 homers and drive in 80 runs and score about 75 runs. Okay, I mean, that's that's beer league softball kind of numbers. Hopefully Ozuna's going to get this thing turned around, but they need him to be a key cog in producing runs through the middle of this order. That's what they paid him for. That's what they have him here for. I don't need him to be just hit a bunch of Home runs that don't mean anything or he doesn't drive in a lot of other runs along with it. You know, that last night was kind of a typical line one for five with a two run homer. But again, you've got 13 homers and only 28 RBIs, you're not producing in enough other critical moments. And that's been that's been sort of the theme for this team at times all through the season, right? The runners in scoring position. All right, when we get back, we're going to take a look at pro football focuses three-year salary cap analysis of teams in the NFL and where the Falcons stack up against some other teams because everybody's talking about salary cap and what the Falcons are going to have and this, that, and the other. I've told you again, it's not necessarily a great thing. We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. With you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We remind you to head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find us, of course, subscribe to our channel. Free and available, too, on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, when you find us. Hit that five-star review for us. Leave us a comment. And, of course, follow me on my Twitter page, at JMCH316. Pro Football Focus did a very interesting look at, and they do this every year, a three-year analysis of the salary cap for all teams. And I thought that there were a couple of interesting things that stood out about the Atlanta Falcons. So they use five different metrics in evaluating where your cap kind of standing is. The first thing they look at is how much you're using of your cap to sign your draft picks. Like where where are the contracts that your incoming draft class put you as far as your total cap. Interesting for the Falcons, they have the seventh most money allocated for rookies in relationship to their salary cap. And obviously that's because they don't have a lot of high priced guys, right? You've moved on from Matt Ryan, you've moved on from Julio Jones. Yeah, you've got Grady, yeah, you've got Debo, but that number will go up even higher as far as, you know, the the percentage and what that number is in relationship. So the Falcons have a high ratio of number of rookies that represent what their total cap is, or what their total rookie contracts are to their salary cap. This is the interesting one to me though. And this is something that I've talked about. So when you look at the next three years, based upon what they estimate the salary cap to be, how much cap space are you going to have over the next three years? Now, The Falcons come in at number five on this list with an expected amount of $197,402,307, okay? But it's where they are and the other teams around them, okay? So, number one is the Chicago Bears, okay? Keep these teams in mind. One is the Chicago Bears. Number two is the New York Giants. Number three is the houston texans number four is new england that's going to be the outlier when i describe this to you number five is the atlanta falcons okay now what do those teams at least let's put it this way and by the way seattle is number six let's take that top six four of those organizations are some of the worst organizations right now from a roster standpoint, right? Houston, the Giants, the Falcons. I mean, those are not good teams. Throw Seattle into that mix. While Seattle is a good organization, obviously, they are at a rebuild stage. They don't have a very good roster. Bobby Wagner, probably a Hall of Fame linebacker, gone. Russell Wilson, your franchise quarterback, gone. They'll probably move on from the DK Metcalfs and people like that over the next year or two. Right? There's no need to have a whole bunch of big contracts if you're in rebuild mode. So this goes back to a discussion I've had about having lots of salary cap isn't a good thing because bad teams have lots of salary cap. Why? Because you haven't drafted well, meaning that you don't have a lot of second contracts. You're not going to get high tier free agents that want to come in and play for you. Teams always find lots of money. Look at how much money the Saints have found. Saints are a good organization. They feel like that they can win. And so what do they do? They find money to get Tyron Matthew. They find money to get Jarvis Landry. So teams can pay guys. You know, Teams will find money to pay guys that they want, but players are not going to go just simply to a bad organization unless they're going to get overpaid. You know, we'll see what Foyer Olukin looks like this year in Jacksonville. You know, he led the league in, in tackles last year. And, yeah, I didn't like to see him go. But let's see if he really is a $15 million linebacker. It's one thing to outperform a contract when you're 3 or $4 million. It's another thing that now you're a $15 million linebacker and paid a high rate. Okay, how are you going to perform and produce? And they have some talent down in Jacksonville and this to any other. But are they ready to win? You know, they spent the most money of anybody in the league in free agency in this offseason. That's not necessarily a good thing. And, and and when you look at where the Falcons are with what their roster looks like and available money, I don't consider that to be this big net benefit because people are like, oh, we got all this free agent money. We'll just go build the roster. No, you won't. That Good, good organizations don't build their roster that way. You know, good organizations... Or like, you know, they build their roster through the draft and they hit on high draft picks and capitalize on them. Then they pay him a whole bunch of money to keep him there for the second contract, right? Like Grady Jarrett. You, you find a Grady Jarrett who outplays his rookie contract and you keep him around in the fold and you pay him a lot of money to stay there. But you don't go the Dante Fowler route, you know, and bring in high-priced guys that didn't do anything for your organization that you don't have the same feel of. You understand what Grady is here because you watch him every day. When you're looking at Dante Fowler and trying to surmise those guys, you're based upon what they've done and what you hope that they can be or this, any other. Now, it's fine to plug a hole here and there in your roster when you feel like you're about to take the next step forward, right? That makes sense. Okay, we're about to, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals brought in Hendrickson. They needed a big-time pass rusher. And they felt like they're turning a corner. They had no idea that they were going to be in the Super Bowl, but they felt like they were going to be better. Okay, we're going to get Burrow back. He's healthy. We drafted Jamar Chase. We think our offense is going to be better. Let's go get us a big-time pass rusher. And he comes in, and he literally sets the franchise record for most sacks in a season. And, yeah, they ended up in the Super Bowl, but they thought they would be better. I don't think anybody thought they'd be in the Super Bowl. But having lots of salary cap puts you in a group of teams that are not very good. And, and they're not very good for a reason. There's a blueprint as to why teams aren't very good. You know, if you draft Daniel Jones really high and he doesn't work out, your team won't be good. And, and salary cap won't fix that. And that's my point about the Falcons and where they're at. Now, when you talk about the totality of the five five different metrics they use, the, the rookies, the the cap space, Pro-rated money, which means that money that's guaranteed or would be dead money if you let guys go. Your top 51 evaluation, that's how the salary cap works. And then your unrestricted free agent valuation, guys that you're going to lose over the next few years. Where do the Falcons come in as far as where do they rank among salary cap and salary cap health? Pro Football Focus has them at 23rd. So... (laughs) That should tell you that they're that even with all the dead money and the money coming available next year, that the Falcons haven't been good about how they've allocated their money over the last few years. When you have the, the reason that you've gotten yourself into dead money, more than just Matt and Julio, you know, you've gotten yourself into dead money for Dante Fowler and different people like that. It's because you didn't sign guys or you made bad mistakes on some, you know, the Julio contract in, in hindsight. And I understand why they did it but didn't look good. Matt was a situation where Matt's contract wasn't bad. I mean, every quarterback's a $40-plus quarterback right now. You think Derek Carr is better than Matt Ryan? I know somebody's going, oh, yeah, he's been. he's not. And one, he hasn't won a tenth. He's been to one playoff game in his career. You've got all these guys that make $40-plus million at quarterback. That's the going rate right for quarterback. Matt's contract wasn't the problem. It wasn't a matter if they paid Matt Ryan too much money. Oh, it's a $48 million cap hit this year. Okay, we're going to play with $46 million on the cap this year. You can navigate your way through all of that kind of stuff. But when you don't draft well, and we talked about the 19 draft picks in a three-year period where you only have one guy that you're going to pay and build around and Chris Lindstrom, that's why you end up with a lot of cap space. And, And look at the organizations that I talked about that have all this. Yeah, New England's a good organization. They've moved on from Brady and Bronk and some guys and stuff like that. But... When you hit on your draft picks, Mac Jones and some of these guys, right? You can still find yourself in the playoffs. You can still be a playoff. You can balance the two things out. We move on from some of our guys and we draft really well to fill key spots. Mac Jones will never be Tom Brady. You know why? Because no player's ever going to be Tom Brady. But it doesn't mean New England can't be competitive and can't be a good team. They hit their quarterback. They hit some of their other draft picks. And they don't miss a beat. They took a step backward for a year with Cam Newton at quarterback and jumped right back in the playoffs. And now they're set up for some success. That's not the situation that the Falcons are in. It's why you have to hope that they nail their draft picks this year and they spend smart moving forward. And and don't overpay for vagabonds and guys that did something in another organization and you hope that they play well here. All right, when we come back, this Thursday starts the definition of, or I should say the defining part of Travis Link's era as president of basketball operations now. We'll talk about all that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuck Green on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hitting Hard with John Chuck on Locked On Sports Atlanta, reminding you, head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find us, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment there, of course, free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. When you find us, Give us that five-star review and, of course, you can follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We joked earlier about it's uh, NBA draft eve, right? You know, tomorrow really will start the defining era of the Travis Schlank administration. Now, we're obviously going to get some changes within the Hawks organization. July 1st, you're going to have a new quote-unquote general manager. Landry Fields will be the actual general manager of the team and Travis Schlank will continue his role as President of Basketball Operations. Now, Fields already is a guy that works with, obviously, Travis Schlank, He's in the organization. It's just a title thing. There are ways you can look at that, but this is what I believe. This is my gut opinion. And I haven't talked to Tony Wrestler before and things like that and talked to Travis Schlank, My gut is if they don't get this thing on track where they want to be, Travis Schlenk will be the guy that will be the fall guy in all of this. It will be on Travis Schlenk. And they have a quote-unquote ready-made GM in fields that they can turn things over to. He probably won't get the basketball operations title. They'll leave that open. But this is where Travis Schlenk's got to earn his money now. You know, because we always talk about with the Hawks, right? That pendulum. Which way is that pendulum going to swing for the Atlanta Hawks? Are they more like a team that barely can get themselves into the playoffs and have to get into play in rounds? Or are we going to be a team that plays up toward the top of the Eastern Conference and can compete for winning the Eastern Conference and getting ourselves to the finals? Maybe we're not winning the Eastern Conference. Maybe we're not quite there. But there's a big difference between, hey, we're barely hanging on for dear life in the regular season to get into a play in and we're in a pretty solid position to compete in the East, right? That pendulum, which way is it going to swing? That starts this year. And and I think Tony Ressler is a guy who made it very clear that, yes, there's going to be patience. And yes, there are things that we have to improve on. Yes, there are things that didn't go our way or this, that, and the other. But you feel like you have some pieces that are ready to help you win. And when you have a Trey Young, even as young as Trey is, He's a ready to win now star, and and he's a guy ready to lead a franchise to a potential finals bid or what have you. Certainly, something more than hang on for dear life in one of the very last playoffs. by You know, in years past, the Hawks would not have been a playoff team last year. Only the play-in round saved them because you weren't getting a ninth and tenth seed in the old playoff format, things like that. So. That's not success by anybody's definition. More of, you know, they were tied for the fourth best record in the East a couple of years ago. And that's when that pendulum swung and they hit it toward the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not saying that at the end of the year, you have to have success defined as being in the Eastern Conference Finals or things like that. But they have to look like a team that's not just barely hanging on by a thread during the regular season and lucky that the playoffs are expanded to get them into play in rounds to play themselves into an actual playoff series and end up with the you know playing the best team in the Eastern Conference and getting knocked out early it can't be like that now and that's where the pressure comes on schlank and i don't think travis has done a bad job here in atlanta i think he's actually done quite a good job cleaning up some of the old messes and transforming this roster around and maybe success came too early for the hawks i don't know and maybe the Eastern Conference got better quicker around the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe. I mean, that's that's a legitimate concern. But I don't think Tony Russell is gonna sit back, and if it's another year of just fledgling along and things don't quite go their way, that there won't be some kind of change. I think Nate McMillan will get some benefit of the doubt. He just signed his four-year deal, what not this this past offseason. So I think he'll get some benefit of the doubt. But I think that they're, I I think depending on how this roster gets reshaped and everybody's admitted that they should not have just ran it back and not made any changes. And I've heard Steve Coonan say that, hey, we had some deals on the table that we just decided not to pull the trigger. Let's run back with the guys and let's, you know, even at the trade deadline, let's not, you know, make any moves to really upset the apple cart. We've dealt with a lot of injuries and things like that. So I think they're counting on, you're going to have guys back for a majority of the season. The the DeAndre hunters, the John Collins, you got to get those guys back and playing at a regular level. By the way, if you look at what, you know, you look at guys like, you know, John Collins last year only played 54 games. Hunter only played 53 games. Bogey only played 63 games. Gallinari only played 66 games. Now, Not all of those guys may or may not be here, but my point is you have to get more games out of all of those guys. All of those guys have to be healthier and you have to find what you need so that when you get to the playoffs, it's going to be a better result. I've got somebody to compliment Trey. Whether we like it or not, it is a star-driven league, right? You have to have multiples of guys. It's not coincidence that that the Warriors and the Celtics are the teams that ended up there. You know, Celtics have, you know, first team All-NBA and, Guys that are all defense and this to any other. And obviously we know Golden State has. They got Hall of Famers up and down their roster. But this is going to be the time that really defines Schlenk because either this thing is going to get back on track or I think that there'll be some definite talk about does there need to be a change? Does there need to be a change at the top of the organization? They've done some good things, but, you know, let's face it. The Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter draft, okay, Hunter looks like he might be a good player, but if he's only a role player on this team and he's the number four overall pick and you've already traded away Cam Reddish, how good does that draft look? And you have a couple of guys that let's see if they can get in the mix from last year, right? Cooper, Johnson, see if they can get in the mix. And yes, I understand that Nate has to play those guys, but they have to, they have to earn their way into this thing. They have to show that they can contribute to this team and get this thing right. You're not going to play guys just for the sake of playing them. And I think, honestly, it may not be fair. Maybe more of the blame should go on Nate McMillan. But when you're the president of basketball operations and you're put into that top charge of it and the franchise, for whatever reason, doesn't get itself on track, I think that's the guy who's going to get the the arrows slung at him. And again, that may be fair, unfair, this, that, and the other, but I think that's how Tony Wrestler looks at it. So it'll start tomorrow, you know, and, and tomorrow won't give us very much insight into where the Hawks are going, right? They'll draft a player, probably a defensive-minded wing, there's multiple guys, you know, it's the kid out of Ohio State, the kid out of LSU, the kid out of Santa Clara, Ty Ty Washington. You got this guy, you got that guy. I've seen like eight different names mocked to the to the Hawks because they're picking at 16. And at that point, it's all a crapshoot. You're hoping to find a role player. But if you're not getting stars, if you draft, you know, four, 10, things like that, that's where it gets harder and harder to just wait out building it. And Trey is a guy that you feel like you can win now. And I think Tony Wrestler thinks you can win now with Trey. Let's put some guys around him. And and you're not in a bad even though the the Hawks don't have a ton of cap space, they do have movable pieces. They do have pieces that you can move that represent a decent amount of cap space. You know, Galinari is in the twenty million plus dollar range. Bogey's almost twenty plus million dollar, you know, I think it's eighteen or nineteen million dollars. You know, you have guys that have enough cap room that you can use them to go get these star players. You're you're not in a terrible position. So it will start tomorrow, but this is really going to be the Travis Lang defining moment for him as to what this offseason is going to represent. I'm hoping they get it right because I think there's a lot of opportunity, but you got to start building around Trey and find that next star we thank you for making Hit Hard with John Chukri on Locked on Sports Atlanta, your first listen every day. Reminding you, make A to Z with Mark Zeno, your second listen every day, as Mark is back talking all things Atlanta sports. He's got those opinions that you may not always like, but you know you got to hear. He's free and available on our YouTube page, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Also available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Download it, Spotify, Odyssey, find your favorites, leave us reviews on everything. And of course, you can always follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We will be back with you tomorrow as we get ready for the NBA Draft. This is hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta.